I want to pose a question to you this morning as we look at the Scripture. The question is simply this, where is your investment? Where is the investment that you're making today? Where is it placed? We'll come back to the rich young ruler a little later on in the message, but I wanted you to hear that story as you listen to the Scripture that I'm about to read to you. In Matthew chapter 6, I want to read verses 19 through 24. So I'm going to ask that you would stand as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. In Matthew's gospel, the Lord is speaking. And if you've got a red letter Bible, you'll see that uh, the words that I'm about to read are in red. And because they are the words of Jesus. And here is what he says. Lay not up for yourselves... Treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil... Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and manna. Father, as we listen to the words of the video, or the story of the rich young ruler, which we'll come back to a little later on, And then, Father, we hear the words that you had proclaimed to us. Where is our treasure? Lord, I ask that, Father, that you would drive home the question today. Where is our investment? Lord, would you speak unto us, each and every one of us, Father. Whether we have the ability to be able to invest much or a little matters not we all have something worthy of investing. So, Father, would you cause us, O Lord, to look deep into our hearts as we hear. May the Spirit of the Lord challenge us to place our treasures in the right place. Lord, if we need a heart adjustment today, I pray that you would begin with the work of the Holy Spirit to cause us to see, O Lord, what needs to change, how we need to change. Father, we just ask that you would be glorified and lifted up and praised. That your people would respond to you in the way that only your people can. And if there are those that are lost and realize that there is a gift that God has given unto us called salvation and they were willing to receive, God, I pray that you would open their hearts. They might be led by your spirit to receive that great gift of eternal life. For it is in Jesus' name I ask that you would just teach through me today in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. You know, it doesn't take long for us to to know that there is a lot of focus recently on the stock market. Rather, it's going to continue in this bullish market or rather it's going to begin to to, uh, uh, waver and crash. If you watch the news, it doesn't take long for the commentators to tell us whether or not it is doing well or if it is doing poor. In fact, 
There are trillions upon trillions of dollars invested, more than perhaps you and I can probably comprehend with the amount of zeros that are, that are, that are compounded in the stock market today. And what that represents is the fact that there are many people in our country and even in the world that are investing in our stock market that are, are saying that they're, they're placing their money there so that their hopes and intentions that the stock market and their portfolio will do well and that they will make a huge profit. But of course, if you've been in the stock market for years, you will know that as well as there are ups, <laughs> there are downs. And it doesn't always work out that way. Um, there are times when you can invest and you will lose some. And there are times when you can invest and you will lose it all. And then there are other times that you can invest and you might make some more. Now, I want you to know I don't have a lot of money in the stock market. I got some retirement accounts. I don't even handle them. I just send somebody money and say, invest for me for the future because I want to retire someday. I figure about the age of 90, I might just have enough to live a day or two. All right? So they do all that for me. So I, I don't invest myself in money uh, in, in the markets. But I want you to know that I make a, an investment every day. Every day in my life, I'm trying to make the right investments. Every action, every attitude, every activity is an investment into something or someone. That my hope is that it will reap dividends. And they will, either for the glory of God or for the glory of the flesh. Now in the stock market, a wise investor will study the stock before he invests to make sure that he can maximize his return and the potential on his money. Those of us who make a wise investment of our lives should do the same. People who are wise investors of life examine the various areas of their life and see where they can make the greatest dividends, the greatest investments into the lives of others or into things that invest in the lives of others. It is in this passage of Scripture that Jesus gets to the heart of the issue, which is the heart of every man. The heart of the issue is our heart and where we are in our lives and where we are in our love for God and where we are in our recognition of the promises that God has given to us about what we're going to experience in this life and what we're going to experience in the life to come if we have placed our faith and trust in Him. And so Jesus gets to the heart of the matter, which is the heart. And he asks the question, where are you placing your reward? Where is your investment? He wants us to understand from the passage of Scripture that I read and the story that I played, that there is a better investment for you than in the things of this world. There is a better investment for you when we are storing up our treasures, not in this earth, but in heaven above. How do we do that? 
There are three things that I want to share with you this morning from this passage of Scripture that I hope will speak to your heart about how that you and I need to recognize where we are investing. The first thing that that Jesus makes very clear in verse 19 is that investments in this world are perishable. Can I get an amen? The things of this world will not last. They will fade away. Jesus says the phrase, lay up for yourselves. He didn't say lay up for others, but lay up for yourselves so that when you get to heaven, you will have a dividend there for you, not for someone else, but for you. Now remember that because Jesus uses that statement to bring about a very important point that there are those who are investing in this world that will never reap from their investments, but somebody else will receive their investments. Now what do I mean by that? I told you that I am invested in my retirement, but there is no guarantee that I'm going to live to see my investment. There's no guarantee that I am going to retire someday before I die. And somebody else may be enjoying that money that I've invested for my retirement. But Jesus says, lay up for yourselves something that no one else is going to get the benefit from but you. That's important. I want you to hear that. I want you to receive that as we begin to talk about what he means when he says that the things of this world are perishable. You see, Jesus uses this phrase, lay up for yourselves, comes from the words that we find that mean treasure box. Jesus is simply saying, don't try to save your treasures in a treasure box here on earth. And he gives some reasons why that's not a good idea. He says, because this world and all that is in it is perishable. He says, we're moth and rust, and uh, they come in and destroy, and then there are thieves who break in and steal that which we have. And what he's saying is, this world is not a good place for you to make eternal investments. Jesus is saying, don't try to save up your treasures and material possessions in this world, for they will never last you will lose them someday. Now let me add to this. This lesson is not about do not save money. This is not about spend it while you got it. This is not a lesson where Jesus is saying just go out and live life. You only live it once. Live it all up. That's not what he's saying. As a matter of fact, the Bible is filled with a lot of instructions. The the book of Proverbs, just for example, go back and read the book of Proverbs. It, It tells us over and over again that financial irresponsibility is not the lesson of Jesus, but the responsible financial practices are spelled out, giving, saving, wise investing. And he also talks about leaving an inheritance not for your children, but for your children's children, leaving an inheritance so that not just the next generation enjoys, but generations to come. Paul uses this same Greek Bible word in 2 Corinthians 12, 14 about how parents should save up to help their children. 
Jesus himself and his disciples lived off the financial generosity of others who had accumulated wealth that were able to help support his ministry. So this lesson is not, don't ever save money. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He's not saying that we shouldn't have a savings account, that we shouldn't have an investment account. He's saying make sure that this is not the primary thing in which we are focusing on in this world. We can all use all of those things to help us in life. For they provide uh, for our families and they provide for opportunities of service. The lesson is don't see these things more than what they are. Don't build your life around those things. Don't let the focus of your life be about accumulating collections of stuff and investments because one day they will all be gone. Now, in Luke chapter 12, verse 16, Jesus told the story of the rich young ruler, the story that we kind of watched in a modern view of it. The rich young ruler came to Jesus with hopes to be able to invest in Jesus' ministry, to be able to share his wealth with Jesus, to make his life a little easier here on earth. But Jesus looked into the depths of his heart when the man asked, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus simply saw that the one thing that he was holding on to the most was that of his possessions. Let me just remind you that Jesus asked all of us to look deep into our hearts because he's looking there and he knows what we're holding on to the most. And that is exactly what Jesus says you've got to let go of. In order to hang on to Jesus, we've got to let go of whatever it is that we're holding on to more in this world. And the rich young ruler came to him and sought out what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said, go and give all that you have to the poor in my name and then come back and you will have invested in the kingdom of God. You will have an investment up there so that when you get there, it will be yours. Not somebody else's. Not somebody else's, but yours. And then in Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells of another rich man. A man whose crops did so well that he didn't have enough barns to put them all in. What a great opportunity to share with your community. What a great opportunity to invest in those around you. But what did the man say? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Tear down my old rickety barns, build me bigger ones so that I can have all that I have and I can say to my soul life's going to be good from here on out and what does Jesus tell us in the story that this man's told you fool for tonight your soul is required of you and somebody else is going to enjoy all that you had when we invest in the wrong thing somebody else seems to get the opportunity to reap what we've harvested, have what we've had. In writing this, I thought back to my childhood. And on uh, December 22nd, sitting in uh, our kitchen of our house watching my little sister, I noticed that the back wall of our house was on fire. 
So taking my sister out, finding my brothers who were up in the barn feeding the animals, my chore that day was to watch her while they did the, the barn chores. I ran to the barn to get them and say the house was on fire. Two hours later, everything that we had, gone. The only thing that we had was the clothes on our back. What that lesson reminded me of all the things of this world are temporary. You see, rather by fire or by flood or by death, the things that are of this world will not last. They're only temporary. And Jesus reminds us, don't build your life around things that do not last. Don't invest in the things of this world to the point that you have sacrificed your soul. The rich young ruler, he didn't want to let go of that which he had, he had worked so hard to get. Now others could give up their simple little meager lives, but he had placed such an investment in it that he couldn't let go. He held on to that which was perishable only to fail to receive that which was imperishable. So Jesus tells us the things of this world, first of all, in verse 19, the treasure boxes of this world will one day perish. We will open them and they will be empty. But I'm glad to tell you that the second thing that Jesus tells us in verse 20 is that investments in heaven are eternal. They are eternal. They will not perish. Jesus tells us here that there is a better investment for you and for me than the temporary earthly things of this world. So he says, invest in your treasures in heaven where it can never be taken away. A lot of people are looking for good investments. People oftentimes ask the question to investment advisors, where's the best investment? What's the, where's the best place I can place my resources? My money. You see, when we're young, if we have an investment mindset, we invest in the risky places. You know, because ask an investor, the more risk you're willing to take, the more benefit you can receive. But as we get a little older, guess what we start doing with our retirement plan? Get me out of the risky and put me in the more secure because I can see retirement coming and I don't want to lose what I've already got. Am I the only one? I thought I'd get an amen or something out of there. When we're young, we're foolish. As we get older, we get a little wiser, and we say, I've got to make sure that what I've invested in is going to be there when I need it. And what we need to recognize is Jesus says that he has an investment for both of us when we're young. He has a risky investment. Put it all on the line. And when we're old, he says, don't worry, I've got you secured. You'll never lose it. See, Jesus says, I've got an investment for you at whatever age you're at. 
So let's look at the where of our investment here in verse 20. And he shows us how that we can invest. Again, in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus tells us that story of the rich young ruler. If you wish to uh, be complete, go and sell everything that you have and all your possessions, give them to the poor, and then you will have treasures in heaven. So the where of our investment is in heaven. You see, the thing that is eternal are the things that we invest in the Lord the things that we invest with God. So Jesus tells that young man, if he gives to the poor in Jesus' name, that all of what he gives away will be treasures in heaven. In other words, he's simply saying it's possible to exchange the earthly things that you have in this world that are perishable for the heavenly treasures that are imperishable. In other words, that which you can lose any minute to a heavenly treasure which you can never lose. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a great investment to me. It's just a smart trade. Something that I can lose or something that I can never lose. Now, there are a lot of investments companies out there that are claiming that even today. If you take out of the volatile stock market and invest in us, we'll guarantee that you'll never lose what you have. Be careful. The only one that can guarantee that is God. The only one. So Jesus tells us, make a smart investment. Trade that which was temporary for that which is forever. What Jesus is showing us here in Matthew chapter 6 is that this is how we as Christians should see and use the material blessings that God has given to us. We should realize that there are things that are not going to last and we should seek to invest them in things that will last forever. Jim Elliott, many, many years ago, missionary who gave his life for the cause, he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. What a great statement. That applies to a lot of things, not just our life. And it certainly applies to, our, as Christians, our earthly riches. These things that we have are simply temporary and they're going to expire. We need to trade them in before they expire. You know... You get a coupon in the mail, and uh, down in the bottom, fine print is exp expiration date. It says, if you want to get what we're giving you, you have to use it before this point. Everything has an expiration date except for what we invest in heaven. So... These things that are temporary, they're only going to expire the things that are eternal, the things that we invest in the kingdom of God, but how does one invest there? So what does investing in the kingdom of God look like? Investing in the kingdom of God is something that we all can do and we all should be doing. The thing is that you can't make out a check to the kingdom of God and send it up to the sky in one of those pneumatic tubes like we go to the, the bank and we put our money in that little cup and we put it in there and we push sand and 
And all of a sudden, she's got our stuff. I'm at work. There's no pneumatic tube that says, here's a check to Jesus, and it goes up. Now, there is the story of the, 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 the man who, who said, uh, I have a new understanding of tithing and giving to God. Well, what is it? He said, I've determined that if God is up there and I'm down here, and God's given me this money and I want to get it up to Him, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take and cash my check, get all the cash, and I'm going to throw it up in the air and, and tell God, when it's up there, you keep what you want, and when it comes back down here, I'll keep the rest. Not how it works. We can't give it to God that way either. But there are some ways in which we can give it to God. Scripture gives us several instances and occasions and how that we can invest in the kingdom of God. First of all, we can give to our local church. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, and I want to just read the, the first part of that verse because it says, Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that you may, there may be meat in mine house, and that you may prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. Now that verse goes on to say about the windows of heaven and you know, all of that. But this is the only time that God says that we can test him. He says, Bring your tithe, bring your resources. Bring your treasures to me. Now, we can give to the local church. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, it says, Elders or pastors who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially for those who work hard preaching and teaching. Now, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here at all. That's not the point of it, or even Josh's. But here, if you read all of 1 Timothy chapter 5, we kind of find out that he's talking about the, the idea of honor being our financial giving. That support in which we show to the church and to the work thereof. So he tells us that we should give to support the staff and, and the work and the ministries of the local church because the church is important in the community. We have offering plates out every week now that we don't take offerings right now for you to give your tithe. When you give above and beyond your tithe, you can give an offering. That means over and above. They're there so that you can support and, and say, I want to make sure that my church continues to remain open in this community. And by the way, it can't if God's people don't give. We don't have any other revenue stream than that of your and offerings. We don't have any outside investments. We're not invested in the stock market. We're invested in God's people. And so we're to give, the Bible says, to the local church. And secondly, we are also, we can give to support missions. And in John's letter, the third letter that John writes in verse 7, he tells us that when missionaries go out, that they should not have to take from any other person, that they shouldn't have to go out. And, and, and in this case, he says they shouldn't have to go and receive money from the Gentiles for their work. And in verse 8, he goes on to tell the, the church that we ought to support such men. 
The missionaries ought to be set out and paid for by the church to go out and do the work of missions in countries that we ourselves cannot get to, but we can help support. That's why we gave to Lottie Moon. That's why we give to Annie Armstrong. That's why we give to North Carolina Baptist men, because it goes to missions so that we can do those things that we might not be able to to do, but we can give to them so that we can be a part of what they're doing. We're putting up treasures in heaven by the works of others because we're making an investment. And then thirdly, and I could go on all day with the things the Bible says that we should invest in the kingdom of God, but I'm going to stop here with the third one. We can give to the poor. We can give to help the poor. Now, Scripture commands us in numerous occasions from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament that we're to give to the poor. Sadly, in our generation, the government has stepped in and taken a lot of that away from the work of the church and and they are constantly giving out money and there are programs after programs after programs to support the poor in our communities to the point that the church has said, if the government's doing it, why are we doing it? Because God told us to do it. Didn't say if the government's doing it, you go ahead and spend your money elsewhere. No, the Bible says that we're to take care of the poor. We're to help the poor. And we in this church believe that we ought to help the poor. And we do that in many ways, and I wanted to just talk about that, that we should not let the government rob us of the obedience that God has called us to do. There are ways in which we as a church body do that. We take calls every week to help people. And then, out of our budget, we give to uh, such ministries as Ash Really Cares, and then we give to such things as the Sharing Center and other outreaches that reach out to those in need in our communities. We continue to support those who are also helping in the name of Jesus, the, the poor and the needy in our community. So we are helping the poor. We're investing into the things of eternity versus just the things of this earth. See, we can give financially, but if we don't also offer the spiritual help, then we're shortchanging them on the real gift of what we need to be offering. So in these ways and many more that I could take time today to tell you to give to God's kingdom and His work, we store up investments in heaven which can never be taken away. So that's the where we store it up in heaven. But the how, the how of our investment. Now here's the tricky part. Here's the part where we've got to listen, so you've got to pay attention. Now this is where Christians differ from those who live just for this world. Most people in this world that are living for the things of this world... All they can see is the things around them. But as Christians, we have an opportunity to say that I don't walk by sight, but I walk by, help me out, faith. By faith, I believe that there is another world outside of this world. A world with eternal treasures, a world where when I store up there, it's in a bank that will never, ever go under. And it'll never mess up my account. 
So I'm going to invest my wealth and my time and my labors and my love in there. Now, let me just say to you that it takes faith to make this kind of investment because you can't see the treasures that you're storing up in heaven. There's no visible view of them. Now, when you buy a house, you get to live in it every day. You buy a car, you get to drive it every time you want to go somewhere. Those are tangible things that you know that you've invested in that you have every day. If you have a a, a retirement fund or a bank account or uh, anything like that, you get a monthly statement that says this is how much money you have invested, this is how much you have in there. Well, let me just tell you that there is nothing that God sends to us on a quarterly, a monthly, or yearly basis that says, here's what you've stored up in heaven. Congratulations. No, it's by faith that we trust that what we have done for the, in the name of Jesus is invested in the kingdom of God, which God is holding on to, so one day when we get there, we ourselves will receive that which we have stored up in heaven. In 1 Peter chapter 1, in verses 8 and 9, says, Although you did not see him, you received as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Faith is what the Christian life is all about. It takes faith to believe in heaven. It takes faith to believe that we're investing there. It takes faith to believe that our salvation is in Jesus Christ. He says none of us were there that are here today were there when Jesus died on the cross. None of us were there when he rose from the grave. None of us were there when he ascended into heaven, but we believe he did all those things. Amen? Amen. That's a sad statement. I meant the amen. It was terrible. For all that I gave you, I gave you a great opportunity to really belt it out there. Just so you'll know next time. Now listen, the faith in which we're to live by is not a blind faith. It's not a foolish faith. Faith that God is talking about is a faith that is based in reality. It's based in historical fact. It's based in the fact that we know that Jesus lived, not only because the Bible tells us, but history tells us, other witnesses tell us. We've got so much incredible information to tell us that he did exactly what he said he would do. So that's not a blind faith. That's a faith that that says, I believe even though I wasn't there. Now listen. By faith we believe that it is there in heaven. Our gifts, our treasures, all of those. And that it is uh, greater than anything that we have down here. Already what I've invested up there. And the best of all thing that we recognize is that nothing can ever take it away from me. I will never lose it. So this brings me to two questions that each and every one of us needs to answer for ourselves. It's not a question I can answer for you or anybody else can answer for you. It's something we must answer for ourselves. The first question is this, do you have that kind of faith? Do you really believe? You have that kind of faith that believes that there is a heaven above and there it is that you can place eternal treasures that will never, ever go away. This is one of the biggest differences between the genuine Christian person and the one who is still lost in their sin. 
The lost person lives and saves and spends only for the things of this world because that's all they know. That's all he sees and knows. But the Christian person has that faith in another world, so he lives his life and he saves and he spends for that world because he knows that this world shall pass away. He believes it's a better place to invest than the things of this world, a place where nothing can ever be taken away. Do you have that kind of faith? The second question that we need to ask and answer for ourselves is this. Are you living like you have that kind of faith? It's one thing to say, I have that kind of faith, but it's backed up by the way we're living. How that we live out that we say that we have that kind of faith determines whether or not that we really have that kind of faith. Are you giving? Are you saving? Are you spending like you believe in another world? A better and unseen world? And if you don't, if you don't believe it enough to invest your time and your money and your effort into it, one might have to wonder, do you really believe in heaven at all? Do you really believe it's there? Well, let's look at the third thing. First of all, Jesus says that the things of this world are temporary. They're perishable. But the things of heaven are eternal. And now Jesus gets to the heart of the matter, the heart. And the third thing that we see is that investments that you make reveal your heart. Verses 21 through 24, when you read them, they kind of just don't really seem like they fit here. It's almost like there's something else if you don't understand what Jesus is saying. But once you understand what he's saying, they fit like a glove. The one wraps around the other. This really gets to the heart of the matter. Your attitude and actions about money and possessions are really revealing what's going on in your heart. All of these verses are all about what our, our use of our financial resources are really about our heart. And that is, the heart is what is behind our attitude towards material things and how we spend and invest our money. You know, over the years I've struggled with talking about money and finances in the church because there are always those people who get turned off when the church starts talking about money. And, and let me just be honest. There are times when some churches, they deserve it. They're not using God's money the way that they should, but yet they're continuing to hammer on people to give so they can build big, fat bank accounts. Let me just say to you, we don't have any of those. <laughs> now, so when I tell you we need money, it's not because we have a big, fat bank account. It's because we need money, <laughs> okay? Because we need to do ministry. Because we need to do what God's called us to do and to be in this community, and we represent you, you. Okay, so when we think about it, you know, it shouldn't really be a hard thing for us to talk about money. The truth of the matter is, every time that Jesus talks about it, he's really talking more about our heart than he is about our money. But he uses money because that's the one thing that we're all 
in common. And it's one thing that many of us are struggle to hold on to. We just don't want to let it go. So it really is a matter of a spiritual issue of the heart. Let's go back to Genesis for a minute. In Genesis chapter 28, let me tell you a story. You all are familiar with it, I'm sure, uh, of young Jacob. Jacob uh, was looking for a wife. So he decided to go on a journey back to his homeland to find a wife. And on that journey, he has an encounter with God along the way, to which we have come to call Jacob's Ladder. Everybody familiar with the story? Mm. All right. So you remember there that night, Jacob wrestles with the Lord. And uh, during that time... There's a, there's a conversation that takes place, and after it's all said and done, we, we look at what uh, um, he makes a commitment to the Lord here in verse 21 of Genesis 28. And he says, Then Yahweh will be my God, and of all that you gave me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Now, Jacob made a spiritual commitment more than a financial commitment to Yahweh. He said, Yahweh's going to be my God. He said, God, you're going to be my God. I, no other gods cut it in this world. How many of us have said, God, you are my God? If that's the case, then the second part of the commitment that, that, that Jacob makes should be the same commitment that we make. God, whatever it is you choose to give me, whatever, either a small amount or medium amount or a large amount, I'm going to honor you because you are my God and I'm going to give you a tenth of everything that you have given me. That's what Jacob said. That's what we ought to say. Jacob made a spiritual commitment of his life to Yahweh as his God and one of the ways that he showed his heart commitment was that he did this. Well, what's this? He gave a tenth of everything that God gave him the rest of his life. He said, God, I want the world to know that I mean what I said. I want you to know that I mean what I said, so here it is, Lord. You give to me and I'll give back a tenth of what you give. See, the thing is that God really wasn't as concerned about Jacob's money as he was about Jacob's heart. And he knew that if he really had Jacob's heart, he'd have that commitment that says there's nothing in this world that I possess that is more important to me than you. And that's what Jesus is saying here in Matthew. He's simply asking the question, are the things of this world more important to you than I am? Where's your investment? Where are you making an investment? What we need to understand is that our giving always, always shows where our heart is. And that's why tithing is such a big deal in the church. It's not because we need your money, want your money. Yeah, we need your money, okay. Um, it's because it's the evidence of where your heart is. The evidence of where your heart is in the area of ministry, missions, vision of evangelism. What you're giving says about you and what you really believe. And how much you really trust God. 
So what does how much we are investing say about how much you really believe in heaven? Where's your investment? Is it in the things of this world that seem to be fleeting away week after week, year after year, day after day? Or is it in heaven where it will last forever? So let me close our time this morning with this. We've all heard it said, nothing lasts forever. Right? Yeah, we've all heard that. We've become used to the reality of this cliche that we have heard many times and perhaps even used many times. Even as a Christian, perhaps unconsciously, we have applied this earthly principle not only to the world but to eternal principles as well. But Jesus would have us to remember that, yes, heaven and earth shall pass away one day, Nothing in this world lasts forever. Cars and carpets, bodies and bank accounts and hobbies and holidays. They will eventually break up or break down. However, that which you have invested in heaven will remain forever. So remember, where you are making your investments determines whether or not they're lasting So let me give you an investment tip. Don't leave this world empty-handed. Don't invest in the things of this world for they will leave you empty-handed. But invest in the things of God so that when you arrive in heaven, Jesus will hand you all that you have earned, all that you have saved, all that you have stored up so that we will have something to offer back to our Savior for the fact that He died so that we could have it at all. So that's the best investment tip that I can give you. Invest in God for He will never fail. Invest in heaven for it will be the only thing that lasts forever. Invest where wise investors invest. So if you've never invested in the greatest investment that you can invest in right now in your life, and that is Jesus, I want to ask you today to invest in Him first. If you've never come to receive the gift of salvation that He so freely gives to each and every one of us, and salvation is for you today. Receive from the Lord that which He has given to us that he has paid for on Calvary's cross with his life. His life for your life. That's what he said. Your sin for his righteousness. That's what he did. And all we have to do is take that step of faith and say, Lord, I trust in what you have done for me and I want to receive it so that I can begin to invest in you. You're at home, another place watching this, and you need to contact us and how that can be done. The information has been there on the screen for you to be able to contact us and hope that you will do that. We'd love to talk to you more about how that you can 
come to know Christ or how that you can invest in His kingdom. How that you can make an eternal investment in the things of God. If you're here today, I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes as I dismiss the the folks at home. Thank you for worshiping with us here today and may God bless you. And if you need us, please call. Please contact us. We'd love to talk to you. Thank you for worshiping.